Hello. This is Joya Italiano. This is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to Oh, That's a Thing, a podcast about the real science and sci-fi movies. Even if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We use the movies as jumping off points for some pretty awesome and real topics. That's right. We're not experts at all. We're actually just a couple of goons who Googled some stuff. But this stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, so sit back, relax, maybe learn a thing or two. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to Tremors. Welcome to the Tremors. <laughs> Here we are, ready to go. What a classic movie this was. Oh my God, this is one of those that I had seen so many times as a kid. I don't know why it was just always on TV, but... It felt like it was made for yeah. TV. Not that it was like a made-for-TV movie, but that it was made to be played yeah. on TV. Like, that had to have been some part of the storyboard thing process, right? Yeah. I'm well, just being like, guys, people are going to be watching this for decades you were telling me that they removed like a ton of f-bombs from the movie oh yeah i think well originally it was it had a r rating not because of the violence but because of the language and yeah they removed, like tw- upwards of 20 something so you can like see it in the movie like where there'll be moments where they just obviously did some like voiceover yeah over what it. was the one that i called out where i was like nobody says like oh, gosh fuck. dang or yeah what? or something it, like it that mother th- oh yeah mother thumper Mother Thumper. Was one of a... Yeah, I forget. Yeah. Anyway, this is crazy. Do you want to listen to the trailer? Yep. A scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. They just picked the wrong day to do it. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. Where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. No Richter scale can measure it. They're coming! No scientist can explain it. Bert, they're under the ground! And no one knows what to call it. Mega worms or suckers or, or suckoids. Tremors. So many wonderful memories. Fred Ward, Kay Bacon. I mean, 1990 was a wonderful time. What a time. Yeah. I I find it amazing that this movie spawned five movies and a TV series. Well, yeah. I mean, this was unexpectedly really popular. Yeah. Because wasn't it Kevin? I'm say K Bacon, but I mean Kevin Bacon. I feel like we're at that. People, people, they get it. We're just like we're so familiar that I just call him K. Yeah. But wasn't he saying like, God, where's my career gone that I'm sitting here? I read that he broke down and fell to the sidewalk, screaming to his pregnant wife, "I can't believe I'm doing a movie about underground worms." Right. You're like from from Footloose to now. Oh my God. Well, it's interesting. The writer S. S. Wilson said that he got the idea for the film while he was working for the U.S. Navy. In the California desert. So while he was resting on a rock, he imagined what it might be like if something underground kept him from getting off the rock. Now we've all played that, you know, don't okay. step in the lava game. Yeah, you gotta yeah, keep above, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it basically is basically taken to an entire movie. But instead of lava, like pretend lava, what if there were fucking underground worms that yeah. that could sense your vibration? Well, that guy, S.S. Wilson, he also wrote such movies as Short Circuit <gasps> and Ghost Dad and the Wild Wild West with Will Smith. Okay. All right. Wild Wild yeah. West. So he was a he was a guy. He was around. Yeah. Input. Need input. <laughs> exactly. Short circuit. Side note, we probably need to be doing that sometimes. Oh, we're definitely gonna have to up, do short circuit. I mean Johnny Lot five oh. will be alive. <laughs> the 
director of Tremors is a guy named Ron Underwood, who his follow up to Tremors was City Slickers. What? He, which was like I rewatched it recently as an adult. It is so good. But doesn't it, it make so movie. much sense with totally. Fred and Kevin just like their quips and who's it's and what's yeah, it's in just, between the terror? <laughs> when we were watching it, I was thinking about how like how much I wanted them to run into Billy Crystal and yeah, Bruno like, Kirby and, doing here? <laughs> and be like, "What? God, underground worms." That totally makes sense. The prototype for City Slickers. Ay ay ay. But he later directed the biggest box office flop of all time. Which is The Adventures of Pluto Nash. I don't remember that. It was an Eddie Murphy movie that was made for $100 million. The budget was like more than $100 million. And its total gross, not opening weekend, but total gross was $4 million. No way. What year was that? 2002. It's because it's like remembered as the biggest flop, like like budget to gross ratio of all time. Oh my god, I want to know why. I wish I knew anything about the movie or how it was marketed. I've seen it a bunch. It's unbelievable. We should do it. We should totally do it. It absolutely fits in the sci-fi. It's fucking insane. It's about Eddie Murphy is like a a smuggler who wants to open a nightclub on the moon, and it's got everybody in it. it. Like. Randy Quaid, Joe Pantoliano, Jay Moore, Luis Guzman. Joey Pants? Joey Pants is oh in it. Oh my God, you got my Peter old Boyle, you got Pam Greer, John Cleese. Had me a Rosario Joey Pants. Dawson. I've told you about my run in with Joey, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wow, that that's takes a me crazy back. story. Anyway. I mean, I don't know. Should you tell that story or should we hold it? We might hold it. We should hold we it should for We should hold it for, for when Pluto. we actually do a movie that has Joey Pants in it. Like The Adventures of Pluto Nash. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> or The Matrix, frankly. But yeah. I mean. Well, we just did the 13th floor. I can't imagine <laughs> that we're going to do The Matrix soon. <laughs> so, yeah. Working titles for Tremors include Beneath Perfection, because the town that they were in was called Perfection. Dead Silence. Dead Silence, yeah. And Land Sharks. Oh, boy. Which, man. Straightforward, right? I mean, it makes sense. Land Sharks. <laughs> I actually looked into animals in real life that communicate through vibrations or, or hunt through vibrations. Whoa. And that is definitely how the, quote, graboids, as they right. call them in the movie. Yeah. The, they refer to them as worms the majority of the time, but then, like, there's a time where they mention graboids. And then they're like, the graboids are going to get you. I know. It's, yeah. I just didn't even bother to go that far. This Like, my whole life I've been like, and then the tremors come. Like, I just refer to right. them as tremors. You're like, no, Joya, they produce the tremors. The, or they, they, they sense, sense the, the tremors. tremors. Yeah. They are not tremors. Let's just be clear about right. that. But we all know when you're saying the tremors were after me. We know that you're talking about sandworms. So male jumping spiders attract females by generating vibrations, by rubbing parts of their bodies together, drumming body parts on the ground, and vibrating special organs. Their peepees? I, I assume. Hope so. I assume that's what they mean. The most special. The <laughs> these vibrations not only make the female more likely to mate, but they also decrease the chances that she will eat her suitor. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Some jumping spiders take advantage of other spiders' sensitivity to vibrations and prey on them. So basically, they invade another spider's web and mimic the vibrations of an insect tr- struggling to escape. Oh. And then the spider comes out to inspect, like, the trapped fly, and then the other spider, like, attacks and eats it. Holy shit. And other spider species will imitate the vibrations of a male looking for a female to, and then, like, so he's, like, drumming on the ground, like, he wants so to So, basically, bone. he's trying to send out some vibes. It's exactly what <laughs> they're doing. They're literally and figuratively sending out some vibes. I'm picking up good vibes. <laughs> Sorry. But then this guy, when, like, this other spider species, when, like, the female comes, he'll attack instead of That's mate. fucked 
Um, yeah. Well, the only reason I, because as you're talking, of course, it's like, oh man, yeah, of course, we pick up on vibes all the time. But then I'm <laughs> right, just wondering, right. <laughs> where did that come from in terms of talking about ours? Like, I get like pheromones and chemistry and all yeah. that kind of shit, but like, where did that like come the, from? Is it like the trembling when you, <laughs> you like... <laughs> <laughs> My heart has got a pitter pat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I see, I see. Yeah, the good vibrations <laughs> of your heartbeat. That must be you guys, it. right? Right? That's a thing. <laughs> so also, elephants communicate through vibrations. Okay. And their calls have like a low frequency, which travels further through the ground than through air. And elephants can tell each other about danger from miles away mm. through that. So researchers have observed elephants leaning forward and putting more weight on their front legs to increase like ground contact uh-huh. so that they can better pick up vibrations from like herds that are miles away to say like, hey, there's some wolves in the area or something. Wow. Or not wolves, but you know what I mean. I mean, this just harkens back to our, our animal communication discussion mm-hmm. where it's like, just because we don't hear it. Yeah, just because it it's, mean not it's not words. Not yeah. I guess also opera singers have a lot of vibrato in their voice. That's true. What's up with that? Oh, I want to. I'm like, what's the deal with vibrato? Like, why do they do it? Or like, why is that? Like, it's like, oh, that sounds so beautiful. The like fluctuating of the vocal cords of like, like, what is it about that? That like hits the beauty part of the brain? Is that some fucking bestial shit? I didn't look into it, but I'm going to file it back in my little in my little filing cabinet brain. Another one is mole rats, which live underground in burrows where there's not much light and sound doesn't travel very far. So they bang their heads against the walls of their tunnels. Uh-huh. And the demon mole rat, which is an African demon mole rat, that's what they call it. All right. They headbang to talk to each other. And the pattern of their banging might even be specific enough to communicate an individual's identity to their neighbors. Wow. So That makes a little bit more sense because they're blind. They burrow. Like, that seems to be more... And they're kind of like, like woody yeah. woodpeckering against yeah. the side of the tunnel. Just headbanging away. One more is a termite mound. If threatened by a predator like an aardvark, Mm -hmm. the termites will bang their heads on the ground 11 times a second. But like one termite's head drumming only travels about 15 inches. But any termite close enough to hear that alarm responds by drumming its head too. So the alarm spreads like a chain reaction through the colony. Well, because I'm thinking about that in terms of sonar. Mm Because that's, I know it's different, but it's about... The sound bouncing, right? Or like echo. I, I know I don't know echolocation enough about it. Echolocation does have to do with like it bouncing off of the surfaces of walls and then you being able to like figure out where the walls are based on how the sound reflected back to you. Now, is that also like a physical vibration? Yeah. Okay. Sound is a physical vibration. Right. That's yeah. what I thought. So That's why it doesn't travel through space. Yeah. Is there's no air to, to vibrate. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. And that's why it travels through water better than air. So even though you don't have eyes, you can still see. <laughs> Some of these animals. Well, that's why I just thought it was cool with the the elephants, you know? Yeah. Because they're above ground. They don't burrow any of anything like that. But to just think mm-hmm. that they, like, get down on their legs to feel it or... Yeah, they well, the fact that their yell or call or whatever you want to call it yeah. has, has low frequency right. that actually vibrates the that ground. sweet baritone, man. I looked into a bunch about earthquakes. And specifically, I also looked into how a seismograph works. So a seismograph is what measures earthquakes, Mm -hmm. and it's a surprisingly simple machine. Basically, it has a base that sits secure to the ground, and then above the base, they hang like a weight that has a small pen on the bottom, and the pen barely touches a piece of paper that goes along. Right. It seems pretty low-key. Yeah. So 
if the ground shakes, the base shakes, and the pen that's attached to the weight like stays still. Yeah. And so the paper moves back and forth, and the pen makes like a drawing as oh, it comes across. Oh, okay. And then the paper that comes out has like these squigglies. Right. And that measures how much shaking is happening on the ground right, because always... it's literally it's literally just like what if a pen was suspended above the earth yeah. above a piece of paper, and it stayed still, but the ground shook. And the so, paper shook. Right, and you see that in the movie where it's things start to get a little bit cuckoo. Yeah. And it's like, wee, woo, 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 woo. it's all over the fucking <laughs> exactly. place. There's these crazy lines. Exactly. So quick recap on some high school geology to okay. talk about earthquakes. Let's do it. In the Earth's crust are a bunch of tectonic plates that are moving slowly, some of them moving away from each other, some crashing into each other in slow motion. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when they crash into each other, one plate will slide on top of the other, and that pushes up mountains and causes earthquakes and stuff. A lot of the time, they slide across each other, and they kind of catch on each other. And as pressure builds up, as they're like caught, it'll eventually build up to the point where it suddenly releases and it goes boom, mm -hmm. and the plates shift suddenly, and that causes an earthquake. The plates move about 1.3 inches a year, which is about the same rate as your fingernails grow, which I remember hearing that as a kid and being like, is that true? Right. It is. It is. Wow. Yeah. They didn't lie to us. They didn't. <laughs> So it's unlikely that we'll ever be able to like really predict earthquakes mm -hmm. because we can understand that this pressure is building up and we can kind of measure the pressure that's building, but we don't know when it's going to release. Right. Which is why we live in this like imminent danger even in LA here. Exactly. <laughs> like, like it could be today. It well, could be. Yeah. What I read was that there's a 99.7% chance that it'll happen sometime between five minutes from now and 2037. Right. And you're like, I that that's unhelpful <laughs> right but it is like it's like it's definitely gonna happen because that's a whole thing where the san andreas fault's southernmost stretch hasn't ruptured since 1680 which is 337 years ago and a big earthquake happens there every 150 to 200 years so we're way overdue for a super earthquake now are we prepared for something like that I mean, we're as well prepared as you can. Like, I was thinking about this. The USGS released its 2017 earthquake forecast in March, mm -hmm. and it identified California as at the most risk for ground-shaking hazards. Right, let me take that away from her. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Dog pause. <laughs> so, yeah, the USGS released the 2017 earthquake forecast in March, and it identified California as at the most risk. Mm -hmm. And it also identified Oklahoma as getting close to the most risk because of man-made earthquakes because of fucking fracking exactly no? oh boy yes so i they don't know that much about fracking except for that it just really fucks with earthquakes the earth yeah it's or like just because you're like drilling into those you're like, shooting high pressure water into rocks to break them apart it's, to fracture the rocks it's like deep underground it's like oh, duh oh, right duh it causes earthquakes that's outrageous yeah it's it's a bad practice. So the USGS claims that both California and Oklahoma face a 5 to 12% risk for a damaging earthquake this year. This year. Yeah, for a damaging earthquake. Now, yeah. does that mean the big one? Right now. Not necessarily, but... but still. I mean, again, that's one of those things where I'm not going to... Because I just... Every time I'm on the fucking highway, I'm like, what if it's now? Right. I know. <laughs> like, I what would happen? Too, or like if you're on a bridge or something. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, hope... I'm like in the parking garage. Like, is it going to be now? Am I going to get crumbled? Like, just under all this rubble, this kind of stuff. Well, I think like if you're in a building that hasn't been retrofitted or like is like really old, mm -hmm. there isn't much that you can do. It's possible that it will collapse on you. Yeah. And that's why we have codes 
for earthquake prevention yeah. stuff and like you have to build in suspend like there's ways of building yeah. buildings where we can make them so that they still stand we got insurance and stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right right you can buy an earthquake kit right now which i saw one on amazon for 35 bucks for two people uh-huh. they also come in four person kits uh-huh. and stuff like that and they're trying to give you supplies to last for three days in case there's issues with water and power getting restored or like to get through to a time where humanitarian aid could get set up right and, you know, included in the kit is food, water, emergency blankets, a first aid kit, safety light sticks, stuff like that. Yeah. Some of them include that life straw, that straw that I was oh, telling yeah, you about that, that filled. Water? Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. So everybody should probably get one of those. I don't, I mean, 35 bucks on Amazon. I was like, uh, let me order one. Anybody in California and or Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I recommend getting one. I mean, what's the worst that you keep it in a closet? Worst case. Yeah. But. Okay, so to get into prediction, it's unlikely that we'll ever really be able to predict earthquakes, but we can get to a place where we can give like some advanced notice Mm -hmm. because, first of all, it does like take time for the earthquake to spread out across a Mm -hmm. large space. Mm -hmm. There's two major parts to an earthquake. There's the P wave and then there's the S wave. Mm -hmm. And the P wave moves much faster than the S wave. Like think of it like the P wave is the lightning and the S wave is the thunder that follows. Gotcha. We're working on systems where we can detect a P wave and immediately send out one of those phone alerts, like the amber alerts mm-hmm. that like sometimes like will startle you because like your phone like suddenly sounds like an alarm. Do yeah. you have that on your Android yeah, phone? It's yeah, it's really intense. Right. And so this would be that, but tell you like, hey, an earthquake's going to hit in like, 10 seconds. P.S. Earthquake's afoot. P.S. P wave, S wave. That's right. Got it. <laughs> so so you would look down at your phone, you'd get like maybe a 10 second up to a minute advance notice. Right. That's more than enough time to get to a place where like you're not standing next to a bookcase right. that's going to fall totally. on your head or get under something. Could you imagine if you were like on Splash Mountain or something and you're like, here we go, we're about to... <laughs> like you're as like you're the cresting ride. the hill, you look down and it's like earthquake, You've got 10 one. seconds. <laughs> oh, 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 get off of the ride. But still smell for the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And God. then it would be like... Splash Mountain, and there's it causes a tsunami. Right. Earthquakes sometimes cause tsunamis. Fun. There'd be a you know zippity doo dah zippity. <laughs> oh, God. Sometimes earthquakes are so intense that they'll actually liquefy soil. Yeah. And it's this process called liquefaction. Yeah. Where like suddenly water comes up through cracks after a earthquake. And, and people are like, why is there all this water? And sometimes it can be so bad, it'll like turn the sand almost into quicksand. Right. And it, it will actually cause buildings to collapse from that, not from the earthquake, but from the fact that the soil underneath the building's foundation has suddenly liquefied. Right. So in the movie, they show that sort of like vacuum style. Like if you get stuck in the quicksand and you right. can't get out, that yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was looking into quicksand. And movie it's, quicksand. Yeah, except yeah. when you're just like, oh, I can't move. It's sucking me down, like yeah. actively sucking you down. And right. that's not actually how quicksand works. Mm. So quicksand is actually, it's basically just ordinary sand that has been so saturated with water that the friction between the sand particles is reduced. So like, you know, regular sand holds you up just fine. Even if you go to like moderate wet sand closer to the water it's mm-hmm. really compact that's why you're able to build sand castles mm. but if there's an excessive amount of, of water introduced to the sand it basically just flows through the sand and forces those sand particles apart and that causes the ground to loosen and any mass on the sand won't be able to be held up so that's why you sink what's interesting though is it's not 
that the sand will suck you down. It's that your movements are going to cause you to dig yourself deeper into the sand. The human body has a density of 62.4 pounds per cubic foot and is able to float on water. Quicksand is actually denser than water. It's 125 pounds per cubic foot. So you can float more easily on quicksand than on water. So the idea is to not panic. It's most people who actually drown in quicksand or any liquid for that matter are usually those who like start panicking and flailing your arms yeah. and shit around. Are there cases of people actually getting to drowning in it? Generally speaking, quicksand is not that deep. So if for right, some reason, like right. if you get in in your head and you're not able to get your head out, then that could be a problem. But most of the mm-hmm. time, all you have to do is just like chill and you'll just float. It's, right. it's not likely that it would become deep enough to, to And if you have you. like really slow movements, you can get yourself out of it, right? Yeah, because that reduces the viscosity. So you're basically able to just gently like you can't see what i'm doing right now but i'm fl- i'm ger- very slowly and angelically moving my arms around and she, if you spread- i can attest to it she's <laughs> yeah in fact doing that i witness i witness so yeah if you spread your arms and legs far apart and lean over you actually can increase your surface area and that'll allow you to to float a little bit easier that makes the thing sense. is though there's a difference between saying don't panic and being like oh fuck about this quicksand and right. freak out you know right. what i mean like it's it's sort of like if you end up in raging river or something you're supposed to chill and just like put your hands to your side yeah feet first try to get your feet stuff. first so that your head doesn't smash into but how rock. many times like if you're in the panic mode and you've never been in the situation yeah. before you're probably gonna well it's like i was point. telling you about with avalanches yeah. a few weeks ago Putting where your hands in front of you yeah to like make space it's like to have the wherewithal to like do these things as the event is happening right like, and you're terrified most of these things... but it also sounds like quicksand just happens slowly enough that you shouldn't be that freaked out anyway right unfortunately the kind of quicksand that i've imagined from playing years of super mario <laughs> yep, yep. is not <laughs> yeah that's not the thing i mean but you know certainly it would become harder and harder to get out based on how high you know if you if it goes up above your knees, that's going to become pretty hard. If it's above your waist, even harder. Because then how are you not going to just like try to just kick? I could see that impulse of being like, oh, just quickly kick out of here. And that's just going to get you farther into the hole. A lot of the cases where it becomes a problem is when nobody's nearby Mm -hmm. and you become stuck. And so it can become a thing where like, the weather or predators or you're just like half stuck in the ground and can't really get yourself out and can't call for help. Yeah. So you could die of starvation or dehydration and stuff. Yeah. To move within quicksand, a person has to apply enough pressure on the compacted sand to reintroduce enough water to liquefy it. Uh Uh-huh. So to make it sort of that moderately wet sand, like if you're trying to build sandcastles, it's much more solid feeling. Right. You'd have to be a fucking meditation guru and just like (laughs) quiet that mind enough to just like trust it. Like, I know I'm going to float. I know. Float on, as Modest Mouse told us. Pogo sticks, am I right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I should probably give some context for this. There's a prominent scene in Tremors where there's a, you know, some dumbass kid listening to a Walkman on their pogo stick. Some dumb four-year-old yeah, girl. Fucking bitch. <laughs> Anyway, she's jumping up and down on a pogo stick, and that causes some vibrations to go through the floor, and so everybody's bugging out. They're like, "Ah, the worms, the graboids will hear." You know, it's great. You know, it's they great. set up that she's pogo. She's yeah. get, like going for a record of most pogos, right? Because like, and what then, what game could she be playing that's more vibrant? Like she should, exactly. If, if only she had a, a basketball it. in her oh. hand, like <laughs> dribbling yeah, a basketball yeah, yeah. while pogoing. Do you remember so, the skip it? Oh God, did I own a skip it? Yeah. I loved that fucking thing. <laughs> that would be great. God. I miss those well you could like take somebody's head off with those things like you'd really get that's true if you got some serious speed and you didn't flex that foot yeah it could fly right off yep 
I'm sure it caused a lot of damage. I have a feeling there's a reason we don't see them around anymore. Right. Whereas pogo sticks are ever-present, didn't really know. We'll get into this. Let's talk about the history okay. of the pogo stick, shall we? Absolutely. So, do you... Oh, yeah. For any of you clowns out there who don't know what a pogo stick is, <laughs> no, sorry to be a complete dick, but it's like, no, there are who, some clowns uh, out there. If, if you're a clown and you don't know what a pogo stick is... <laughs> You're not very good. You should be fired. <laughs> you fire. should really wake up. Okay, what's a pogo stick? Pogo stick is basically just a pole with a handle at the top and foot rest near the bottom and a spring located somewhere along the pole. You put your feet on the foot pads while balancing on the pole. You jump up and down with a bending action in the knees. You get lifted by the recoil of the spring and you bounce around. Bada bing, bada boom. That's a pogo, pogo stick. That's a pogo stick. <laughs> So, a 1922 issue of Popular Science Monthly claimed at one point that pogo sticks were invented by a blacksmith in the Transylvanian village of Pogo in the 1700s so that people could cross muddy areas without getting their feet dirty or wet. Hmm. Does anybody know if that's true? No. So, the (laughs) idea... Instead of putting on shoes, right? This just, is they're gonna yeah, hop if, across. Yeah, what if it's a big old puddle that you don't? Your shoes aren't, you know, your high heels aren't enough to get you over that dog shit and that muddy little water. Anyway, this is who knows whether I, or not that's true because there. <laughs> but then later, there was a spring stilt utilizing compression springs on each foot, and that was patented in 1891 by George H. Harrington of Wichita, Kansas, for quote leaping great distances and heights. Then in 1930, there was a patent for a spring and hopping stilt invented by Max Polig and Ernst Goetzschall from Germany. What? Po. Go. So, so it's, was, what was it called before then? The uh, spring before stick? It, it just They called it a spring stilt. Then there was the patent for the, quote, spring and hopping stilt. But it wasn't called Pogo at that time, right? But some people say that because it's Max Polig and Ernst Goatschel, that they that was the reason. It was I, there's two names. I can't believe that there was a Po and a Go. And though, like it wasn't like Pole Go. Right, something like, like that. Like the verbs. The lore the, is the, crazy. The noun and the verb. There's even more claims in terms of where there's that came There's even more from. lore? Yeah, there's more lore. Because then, in 1957, the two-handle pogo stick was designed and patented by George B. Hansberg. Now, previously, his company, the SBI... The handle with the Hansberg? That's right. So his company, SBI Enterprises had previously supplied some toy store with the, quote, Master Pogo, which sparked a pogo craze in the 20s. Hansberg even taught the chorus dancers of the Ziegfeld Follies how to pogo, which is pretty cool. What's the Ziegfeld Follies? Oh, you don't know? It's like old school, like... Like the Rockettes? Not, no, it, like very pre-Rockettes. It's sort of like old-timey, kind of like, yeah, da da dee day do dancers, like, all kind of like vaudeville old vaudeville style. Yeah, exactly. Cool. That's the word I was looking for, vaudeville. But even Hansberg had... I was like, you know, ba-da-ba-bing, ba-da-ba-dee-dee, people. Vaudeville. Hello. But apparently he had claimed that the inspiration behind the pogo stick came from a visit to Burma where he met a farmer who'd made a wood and spring contraption for his daughter named Pogo. What? So who knows? Transylvanian Wait, town named Pogo. I, we got the Po and the Go with the two guys. Then we got this little got Burmese chick named, named Pogo. his daughter Pogo? Are any of them true? We I don't, don't know. I, so, I buy the middle one. Yeah. I buy that there was a guy with the that started with Poe and another guy yeah. who started with Go. That's the most logical of all. Instead of being like, ah, oh, little Pogo, yeah. she used the stick to travel to the temple for prayer. Right. Like, it that's also what sounds like he was like, okay, I'm naming my girl Pogo, yeah. and then I'm going to tell everybody that I named the Pogo stick after no, but then Hansberg wanted to name Pogo Stick after Pogo. He didn't, the father didn't name the stick after his daughter Pogo. Hansberg met the little girl named Pogo and was like, ah, 
Your father invented some kind of stick. I'm going to call it the pogo stick. It was the white man's going into some Burmese town. (laughs) White man from town. Exactly. (laughs) The popularity of the pogo stick fluctuated over the years, but it specifically rose to prominence in the 70s due to some crazy marketing scheme by this Irish-Italian immigrant, Ryan Recchia. Then since then, there's all these shows performed with pogo sticks. Marriages have been performed on pogo sticks. Jumping contests are... Yeah. Where all parties involved or just the priest or... Just the bride and groom. I know. There's not enough specification of that story. I need to know. I need to know the audio from that because just the sound of like <laughs> Will do you. You. Yeah, take do they have to only this? speak when they're in the air? That's right. <laughs> it's the only way because otherwise, if someone's recording it, you're gonna be like, "Will you?" Well, it's just to, to me the your... sounds of like the light sounds of a spring. Over and over again, like terrible. There's a world record that's been set of wait. Current, hold a world... on, I still on the on the marriage thing. Oh God! Like they're they're pogoing while they're kissing. Are they like in unison with the pogos? Like, did they work really hard to get their pogo jumps perfect? You should write a pilot. About I got this. a lot of questions. Just <laughs> pogo marriage. There's a world record set. It's currently standing at 20 hours and 13 minutes. How many hops? I don't know how many hops, but it's like <laughs> 20 hours, bro. Like, is this whatever? Do your thing. Everybody has dreams. Have you heard of extreme pogo or X pogo? Oh, is this where I have seen like crazy tricks with pogo stuff where people are doing flips and like bouncing off Dude, walls and shit? It's a fucking thing. In 2001, this guy Carlton Calvin invented the air powered pogo stick. Oh, no. And now there's these like new crazy pogo sticks that like you can get upwards of 10 feet. Like, no. Yeah. So that's measured from the ground to the top of the tip, 10 feet. From the base to the tip. Yeah. Just make it very, very clear. (laughs) Base to the tip, 10 foot, 10 foot pogo. There's like exhibition teams. There's something called Pogo Palooza. Really? That's right. There's like a whole... It's a world. Is it a music festival? Like what are they, are they showing off fancy new... Pogo sticks. It's like fucking extreme skateboarding and shit. It's like extreme sports, but pogo. And that's what happens at Pogo Palooza? That's right. Yeah. Oh. Where did the Palooza come exactly, from? Exactly, like Lollapalooza. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why, why? Why? That's the thing. That's like yeah. a lot of that. You know, it's a Palooza. <laughs> it's a Palooza. Like, when does whatever. something cross the threshold? It's a Palooza. Into Pogo. Palooza. Come yeah. to Pogo Palooza. It's, it's not a con. It's a Palooza. But you know, on one hand, I'm like, what a bunch of dorks, am I right? But it's like fucking backflips. Why not? You still have to learn Sounds how awesome. to land on one of those things without wrecking yourself. Yeah, I bet it's incredible to watch somebody yeah. do that. So, you know. Pogo sticks, man. Have you ever used one? When I was a little kid. Yeah, I don't know. You're making me want to get one. I feel like I want to give it a shot. <laughs> and I feel like they probably... You're going to make it your thing? You could imagine the early prototypes were... Like, the springs were probably so, like, ow, my joints! Yeah, you know, but now, yeah. like, the... Just the, the, the aerodynamic, shock the shock absorption. I'm sure it's like, <laughs> oh, this is like... It's like on a cloud. You know, I would yeah. love that. Related to earthquakes are volcanoes. And I wanted to talk about a moon of Jupiter called Io, which has the most active volcanoes in the solar system. Io! Io! (laughs) Named by Ed McMahon. (laughs) Io! So there's only four known actively volcanic worlds in the solar system, Mm. which are Earth, Enceladus, a moon of Saturn's, Triton, a moon of Neptune, and Io, a moon of Jupiter. And there's more than 400 active volcanoes on Io, and they're constantly erupting. Really? And basically, the whole surface of the moon is constantly being resurfaced by these volcanoes. Wow. Like, Neil deGrasse Tyson likes to say, if you drew a map of the surface of Io, the map would be obsolete within a year. 
which is really cool to me. Like, Why? We, just because it's like constantly changing? Yeah, it's yeah. like, it, and it, just the idea that there's a volcano planet out there. Right. Well, it, it was also interesting because we sent Voyager in the 70s and took pictures of it. And mm-hmm. then we sent another spacecraft in the 90s and took pictures of it. And we were like, wow, the whole thing looks different. Like different volcanoes have appeared. It's completely resurfaced. So the volcanoes exist for a different reason than the ones on Earth. It has an eccentric orbit around Jupiter, so it's constantly being squeezed and pulled and squeezed and pulled as it goes like closer to Jupiter and further away from Jupiter and closer and further. Mm-hmm. And the forces inside of it like get heated more and more as it like kind of is like I don't know how would you call what I'm doing right now with my hands? Uh, like, wavy lava lamp hands. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just getting squeezed. Yeah. Let's let's call it what it is. All right. <laughs> But if it wasn't getting the tidal forces like that, it would be the same composition. It would look the same as our moon. Okay. So I thought that was kind of interesting that it's like, imagine if our moon was just giant volcanoes erupting all over totally, it. Totally. And that's what's happening on my demons just bursting forth. Yeah, I mean. That's pretty cool. It'll send up like mushroom cloud plumes of lava in like 500 miles into the air, mm-hmm. some of these volcanoes. Well, so that's interesting to think about like constant active volcanoes as opposed to some of these dormant volcanoes that then eventually, mm-hmm. much like a super earthquake, there's super volcanoes that can then fucking destroy entire communities. Right, right. And that's another thing that... Can they really predict that well? Volcanoes on Earth? Yeah, like when... Yeah, exactly. You can see things waking up. Like, things kind of happen slowly enough. You know, I want to talk about Vesuvius one day because the lack of knowledge that Pompeii had about the way volcanoes Mm -hmm. work, like, that one had an element where it exploded a huge amount of ash yeah. and that would have indicated to everybody in modern mm. society to be like, we got to go now. Right. And they were all like, wow, it's like divine rain. Of course. And so they all stayed there and then the eruption came three days later. Hey, that's fucking wild. Yeah. I have a random thing that I looked into. I love random okay. things. So at one point throughout this crazy harrowing experience in Tremors, they they reference a talcum mine, and I don't remember why or what the fuck they're even talking about, so okay. I'm not even going to bother telling you guys why. But that's I thought about a talcum mine, and I decided to research that. What the fuck is talc? Do you know what talc is? Talcum powder? It's like a powder that you use, you use on your balls? Yeah. Is it for your balls? Or your feet or your... there's it's Dry used, skin? Yeah. Talc is actually used in a wide variety of products that we see every single day. Oh, really? Okay. Let me tell you some of the properties of talc. So talc is actually the softest mineral out there. Oh. It's translucent. It has, generally has a pearly luster. It's maybe green, white, gray, brown, or colorless. And it has a sheet structure similar to the micas. Talc is held together only by Van der Waals bonds. Are you familiar with Van der Waals no. bonds? Because I'm not an Adam person, you know what I mean? I basically went to the kids' version of what the Vanderbilt. Yeah. More Eve style. Basically, it's it allows the atoms to slip past one another very easily. What my understanding is that Vanderwall's bonds are not necessarily permanent bonds, sort of like how a, a gecko can very you know, really stick to the side of a wall quickly, mm. but can pull away, right? Like walking up or like suction cups. Yeah. It's not a permanent bond, but it is strong for okay. the time being. Okay. What that does is it allows it to be very soft, very easily broken apart. It has a very greasy soapy feel and it is also valued as a high temperature lubricant so what they generally do is they crush this mineral they crush talc into a white powder and that's what's known as talcum powder and it has this awesome ability to absorb moisture oils it absorbs odor 
So that's why Ooh. they use it in a lot of baby powders, foot powders, a Ooh. lot of variety of cosmetics. It's the base for a lot of like mineral powder foundations for antiperspirants because it absorbs both water and or odor. And it's safe to put all over our bodies. Yeah. Well, because, you know, you think of baby powders being like the most divine thing to put, you know, <laughs> if it's safe for a baby, baby's bottom. Then, it is funny know. if you take like baby powder and you rub it with your fingers it is like just a such greasy. a softness it's like silk yeah it it's is fucking wild how do you measure softness of a mineral is there like can they look at like the physical structure of the mineral probably i would imagine that has to do with its density or like its ability to yeah carry any kind of weight because it's so soft like it breaks apart pretty pretty easily as yeah. i understand it, it's an important ingredient for making ceramics paint, paint they use it as filler a lot is it a naturally occurring element? Yeah. Like you just like get there, it out of rock? Yeah. Most of talc deposits in the United States are in metamorphic rocks on the eastern side of the Appalachian Mountains and in rocks metamorphosed in convergent terrains of Washington, Idaho, Montana, California, Nevada, and New Mexico. Hmm. They're also found in Texas. So they have to take a lot of care to not let the talc get contaminated with other rock materials because that can not only have an adverse effect on the color of its product, but if other things are combined with it, it's not going to be as soft and delicate or whatever, which is what it's used for. Hmm. Then like from the mine, it's taken to a mill where it's reduced in particle size and then given to the different companies, whether they be baby powder manufacturers, whatever. But yeah, I thought that was one of those cool things of like, talcum powder i guess i know what it is but i didn't know they also use <laughs> yeah. it in ceramics they use it in like bathroom fixtures ceramic tile popularly used in paint as a filler because it not only helps brighten but like whiten paint oh. so it's one of these just like cool natural minerals that we use all the fucking time and i didn't have any interest or understanding of why it's used and yeah that's minerals really, am i right yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other minerals that are as common or used in that kind of a thing that we like. Well, I think of like table salt even. That's a good point. You know? Yeah. Like salt deposits. Yeah. Like that's a, just a yeah. natural thing that because it absorbs flavor, it absorbs like the essence of another thing that we've used it in every meal that we've ever fucking eaten, you know? Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. Thanks, Tremors. Can I use one phrase that I read that I was like, you're just, you are too hot for TV. <laughs> too hot for TV? They, they, I, wa I want were, another podcast. <laughs> they referred to talc as, quote, having the perfect cleavage between the sheets. What? Yeah. What they does that mean? They were referring to, like, the sheets of the talc. Okay. And cleavage, I think, is a, like, is a fucking, you know, rock term. Yeah, it's a rock term. <laughs> But when I read that, I was like, perfectly. Boulders, yeah. you know? You know, she's a, she's a lady in the streets, but she's got perfect cleavage in the sheets, you know what I mean? I didn't have any lines. I had one, which, like, I just find this delightful. <laughs> running? Running's what you do when the plan fails. Was that Fred Ward? I think so. I, th I think it was uh, Kevin Bacon's like, I got a plan. I'm going to run. And Fred Ward's like, running's what you do when the plan fails. In retrospect, I feel foolish for not, because there's like delightful one-liners left, right, and sideways yeah. in this thing. But it was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot they of just, like, like sarcastic, like. They weren't lines that would lead to like good scientific discussion. <laughs> right. They were just like delightful. Like <laughs> that's a, the charisma of the two of them carry this movie and make it from a B crappy yeah. horror movie into like something that was yeah. spawned five movies in a TV show. Oh my God. Yeah. I know. I, I still got, I got to say, I very much prefer the sandworms that you can't see than the, you know, because in the second one, they're like evolved yeah. and they run around on the land. And but they, they have like, like, it's heat seeking. They, they still don't have eyes yeah. in the sequel. 
Um, oh, I've only oh, seen I, one and two. I do have a very fun fact about the design of the Graboids. Oh, please. So one idea by the special effects crew was for the worms to have an outer shell. And then when they come above the dirt, the shell is supposed to retract to reveal a slimier inner worm. However, many production members started to giggle at the phallic resemblance it had with the foreskin. So mm. this was changed to the big worm sprouting several smaller worms from its mouth. <laughs> Every design always has to be like, does it look like a dick? Yeah. But that too is kind of like... Well, I think there was a story. Apple has been building this giant new offices for the last like six years. Mm -hmm. And before he died, this was like one of the last projects that Steve Jobs worked on. Mm -hmm. And one of the stories of its design changing over time was that it was originally like three rings. And Steve Jobs' son like immediately looked at it and was like, that looks like a dick. And then Jobs was like, you're ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. And then went into the office the next day and was like, all I see now is a dick. We got to change it. It looks like a dick. It doesn't matter how far we evolve. It's like we have these baselines. Like our little lizard brains are just like dick. I know. (laughs) I just love that he was like, now it's all I could see. I know. Once someone brings your attention, it's like when you you were a kid and you would like find the weird sex shit in Disney movies, right? Right, right. Like once you saw it, you can't see it. Like one of the sea castles on the cover of the Little Mermaid. Now it just looks like a dick forever. Yeah, is that? Yeah, their little. Yeah, King Triton's little village or whatever. Didn't he like get a boner in the movie? Is that a thing? The priest has the boner. There's a dick sea castle. Those animators spelled in some like wildflowers that go flying when Simba land. Yeah, there's a lot. Lot. There's a lot of like raging. who for, is that? I guess that's just for the animators to either that or it's much like we've talked about people just like finding meaning where there isn't, you know, just okay. being like, oh, it's obviously phallic. You're Although, saying it's not intentional. Who knows? Yeah, I feel like it could be a mixture of both, but there's some that people are like, see, right there, and there's like a freeze frame, and right. you're like, bro, you are <laughs> reaching so hard. Yeah. Although, it's like, what that, is Disney trying to yeah. change society? I will say that priest's dick is hard to. Hard to uh, hard argue. To, yeah, you're like, I'm not... That required, like, multiple frames, bro. Anyway, we're not sure what we're doing next. <clears throat> no, but it's going to be a good one. Yep. In the meantime, you can find us at ohthatsathing.com. Oh, that's a thing on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at It's a Joy Amia on Twitter. I'm at Jeffrey Ekman on Twitter. And, and please, please review us on iTunes if you so choose. Yes. <laughs> please, please do it choose, if you want to. Choose to do that. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye.